You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It is September 18th in our second victory Monday of the season after the 49ers sneak out of LA with a win over the Rams. Joining me to talk about it, and we're also going to talk about the top performances of the day, is Weston. Weston, how you feeling today? If I'm being honest with you, Steph, I'm feeling relieved uh, based on what I, I watched yesterday. You you mentioned it, another victory Monday. Those uh, makes Monday go a little bit easier, a little bit more smooth, especially leading into to this show, but um, certainly not the best performance yesterday. Just feeling good and fortunate to get out of Levi South with a W. Yeah, uh, definitely wasn't the prettiest of wins, but a win is a win is a win. And the 49ers, like I said, snuck out with one. And I think it it was just weird at the beginning of the game because the defense especially just didn't look like themselves. They, they didn't look like the version we saw in week one. And they were giving the Rams receivers a lot of cushion. The pressure wasn't really getting to Stafford at all. He was getting the ball out very quickly. So it was just a, a combination of different things in that first half that I think made us all a little uncomfortable and gave the Rams a chance at making it a close game. I mean, going into halftime, it was a tie game and it really felt like even that was like, oh, through the skin of their teeth for the 49ers because, you know, Brock Purdy had to operate that two-minute drill, which he did, you know, very well. But, you know, again, I think going into halftime and tying that game really kind of started to shift the momentum in the 49ers' favor. But a weird, weird game overall. I mean, what what did you think uh, watching that first half? The first half, I, it just – felt like we couldn't do anything defensively and it felt outside of the first drive just felt really stale offensively right it just um i thought the two-minute drill was some of brock purdy's finest football that i have seen in his time here he really went down um down that field didn't you know the moment didn't seem too big for him whatsoever i think the biggest takeaway for me though was in that two-minute drive I think we're seeing a different Kyle. We talked about this last week when we mentioned going forward on fourth down and throwing the ball nonetheless on fourth down. And then here you are, no timeouts, one second left. You kind of need to, based on the way the game's going, you need to put some sort of points on the board. Didn't even have to be a touchdown. Touchdown was kind of the icing on the cake, if you will. And they went for it. And and I just feel like in years past, we'd see them walk away with three points there, right? And go into half and just say, hey, this is still a one-possession game. But the first half, like the whole game for me, just really wasn't it wasn't pretty. The second half looked better, um, but it was, uh, you know, it just felt like we were on the struggle bus outside of that opening drive and the last drive. Right. So you sandwich everything yep. in between there. Um, it didn't feel like the the 49er way that we've become used to, um, especially since the the middle part of last year. Yeah, we did see aggressive Kyle now for the second week in a row. We'll take it. I mean, you know, we didn't see half enough of uh, aggressive Kyle last season or the year before that. And now we're seeing a bunch of it. So, hey, I'll take it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it was not the 
49ers that we're used to seeing, but it's okay because like they showed some resiliency there at the end. You don't want to get comfortable with these types of wins, but if you have to do it, Hey, you do it. So Phil here says uh, you got to write in your episode title. The defense adjustments allowed the offense to win the game. A tale of two halves. Yeah, it was definitely a tale of two halves, especially for the defense. Um, They really came alive in the second half a little bit. I shouldn't even say came alive. They just did what they were supposed to do from the beginning in that second half. And what we saw from Steve Wilkes were in-game adjustments, right? And I I think that's a positive as well to take from this. And what I saw was they tightened up the coverage. He started a blitz more. I think uh, before halftime, he was blitzing around 15%, if I'm not mistaken. And that, you know, doubled in the second half. Uh, The only sack of the day was from Fred Warner. Uh, So, you know, the defensive line wasn't getting home, but... I think they were still getting some pressure credit to, you know, Stafford for getting the ball out quickly. Puka Nakua looks like a stud out there. Um, but yeah, credit to them because they were able to make it a game. And Wesson, how much of that do you think has to do with this being a divisional game? I mean, all the time when you play division rivals, because they know each other so well, you get these tough battles. So how much of it is just that? All of it. If I'm being honest with you, I just think you always hear it and it almost sounds cliche, but division games are are no walk in the park. You play this team twice a year. And especially as long as these two leaders, Shanahan and McVay, have been at the helm, there hasn't been much variation in what they both want to accomplish offensively and what kind of wrinkle they bring to the table defensively. So you are prepared this early in the season face the Rams with low expectations of that team. I I expected them to be up and to be ready and to be in their bag early and often for this game. But I think you hit the nail right in the head. Like I, I th- if you interviewed the 49er players right now, they would tell you that wasn't our best body of work by any means, but good teams still find a way to win um, when things aren't going and swaying your way. Um, a lot of it you'll lend to forgive me if you hear my dog bark in the background. Um, you'll lend it to making those halftime adjustments, et cetera. But I chalk a lot of this up to not just being a divisional game, but being that vaunted McShay, Shanahan. And it almost felt like this was gonna be the one that got away, right? Like it's it's hard to win nine consecutive regular yeah. season games That's against true. the same opponent. The shoe, the other shoe has to drop at some point, and it felt like Potentially, this could have been the the time when it was going to drop. Yeah, I agree. But all in all, I mean, the 49ers come away with it as they should. They have the better roster. And as we mentioned, they made the adjustments to make it work. So, I mean, with that, I mean, let's talk about the players who made it happen, right? I mean, there are a lot of guys who I think stepped up. We talked about the fact that, you know, this wasn't Brock Purdy's finest game. He had three overthrows, uh, two of which would have gone for touchdowns. The 49ers score 30 points, even despite some of those big misses. But again, not something you want to see, you know, going forward or something that becomes, uh, you know, a pattern with Brock. I think he'll hit those and he'll work on those probably throughout this week. But uh, other guys stepped up. Can we stay there for one second on the throws? They're concerning that they're not connecting. But what I do like is 
taking the chances and yeah. what we have not become accustomed to over the last few years. And this is going to sound ridiculous, but the quarterback recognizing that those are actually open opportunities, right? We used to talk about like, look at this misread and that misread and so-and-so running down the right. field wide open and the ball not even going in that direction. So at least we're putting one foot in front of the other. The ball is going to the right receiver on the right read. The throws will come. It's still concerning. You can't not hit those against the Kansas City Chiefs or the Buffalo Bills or the Dallas Cowboys or the Philadelphia Eagles. Those have to be made. You get to um, you know, live to see another down when you're playing a less caliber team, which is the Los Angeles Rams right now. Well, I, I like that you you turn a, a negative into a positive because, yeah, I mean, I, I think sometimes you do have to look on the, the positive side, and that's a good example, right? I think even Kyle Shanahan mentioned after the game, right, how he was sort of – he seemed pleasantly surprised that, that Brock even attempted those uh, downfield throws. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's just a testament of Brock Purdy being willing – uh, he he looks downfield, so we we have a guy who's willing to make those throws, and sooner or later those are going to connect. So yeah, I I do feel good about it overall. While it didn't work out in this game, but the other two guys that stepped up in this one, uh, I I would mention, and I I'm going to elect them at or I don't know put them up as candidates for our 49k player of the week, Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey, right? And I'll start with uh, Debo first. Uh, 63 yards receiving, 47 of those came after the catch. So he was back to doing his Debo things after a very yak luster uh, game against the Steelers. I see what you did there. Uh, yeah, I, I wrote that one down. I'm not even going to lie to you. But uh, 38 yards rushing as well. He had that touchdown. Uh, he was responsible for five of the team's first downs. And as he always does against the Rams, it seems like he helps set that tone, you know, not just with the, the plays, but with his attitude. It, like all the plays come with this attitude and this like dog mentality. He's going to fight for every yard. And we see it even on, you know, his touchdown, right? Uh, you know, just fighting for that. So uh, I think he he helped set the tone and he helped put this game away because I think at one point after some of those misses, after halftime even, you know, the 49ers, I think, punted at one point and it still felt like the Rams could potentially be in this game. But I, I think guys like Debo Samuel and uh, Christian McCaffrey uh, really allow the 49ers to stay in it and put it away. And I'm sorry, Weston. I'm 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 uh, putting up two guys here, so I'll What's let that? you add your two guys first or after. Uh, so Christian McCaffrey is the second guy, right? His yeah. 51 yard run with that stiff arm on former Niner Akella Witherspoon. I think <laughs> and let like him know just, about it too. He let oh, he let <laughs> him know uh, that was not just a hello. After that, he helped set the tone for this team early. Um, and, and, you know, we, we talked about it last week. Like we could probably say Christian McCaffrey is going to be one of those guys every single week, but I, I don't think we should get tired of saying it because he's a very special player and what he's been able to do on this team is, you know, nothing short of incredible. He helps this team win and he helps this offense, uh, you know, put points on the board. He fits in with the identity of, you know, the other guys as well. So, 
116 yards on the ground, a touchdown, and pending these two Monday night football games that are you know getting started here, his 268 yards lead the league in rushing through the first two weeks. So he's been really impressive. The one not concerned, but the, you know, I kind of wonder at what point we're going to ease back his volume a little bit. Cause we've been seeing a lot of McCaffrey, yeah. not that I blame Kyle Shanahan about that. Uh, you know, when you have someone that good, it, it's hard. It's easy to forget about, you know, someone like Elijah Mitchell, who is also great within his own right, but McCaffrey just uh, that much better. So hopefully maybe in, in Thursday's game, we get a little little more balance between those two guys. Yeah. I'll, I'll work backwards with your two. So McCaffrey, obviously, I mean, he's just a bolt of lightning for this team. Um, what he does, that 50 yeah. yard, you mentioned with Akello and the, the encounter with Akello at the end of it. It's funny because, and I don't want to be redundant by any means, but for me, like, I was really upset with his usage in week one. I just felt that we put him in harm's way unnecessarily when that game felt like it was not in the balance at all, right? It felt pretty comfortable. This week, obviously, the game wasn't put away till much later, but the flow just felt different. So I really, like, it just yeah. felt like every down he was out there, like, that's the guy we needed out there at that time. And the truth is, outside of the f- opening drive, they didn't have a single drive that lasted more than four minutes. And we're talking a lot of six, seven play drives, not 11, 12, 13, 14 plays. And they lost the time of possession battle as well. So to me, like, yes, I know he played whatever it was, all 56, 57 snaps, whatever it might be. They just didn't feel like they were as strenuous and felt quite necessary versus week one. But yeah, it's something you have to, and here we go Thursday night right away. Right. You know what I mean? Against by all, you know, accounts, a team that we should mop up on, you know, based on how they're going to limp into this game. Like I can't see him for all 57 snaps again or 63 or whatever. It's got to be like, there's got to be a breather in there. It just didn't feel as egregious this week, but it will add up. It will add up over time for sure. Um, Debo, like you said, just the physicality, et cetera. Um, no arguments for me whatsoever. I do find it, and we talked a lot about this this offseason, not just us, a lot of the pundits out there around, God, Ayuk is really becoming the guy. Because when they're finding Debo, I feel like they're forcing it to Debo, right? The play design is for Debo, not yeah. just the guy who's open. And God, on that touchdown, that's all, all Debo. I mean, you, he literally made three guys dive at him and miss and then <laughs> took a, you know, a back step and then, bullies his way into the end zone but that's the version that we love that's the version that we we want because it is so spectacular and physical all at the same time and i think like it galvanizes the team right and i think that that rallies them so can't argue with those two let's start arguing about my two because obviously (laughs) those folks i'm gonna i'm if it ain't fixed, don't broke it that's what mama taught me as i was growing up so i'm coming back and i'm leading again with mr Jake Moody. All right. I, I don't well, like I, talking about kickers. I really don't. I promise. I know they are people too. And yes, they're a part of the team, but I very much agree with Larry David's interpretation of why are the, these, these positions here, but three for three, again, three for three on extra points, 57 yard field goal. And that's a monumentous field goal in a tie game. Both teams struggled on their first possession, like off a pick, right? Like, and then you're getting that momentum. If, if I'm memory serving me correctly, I only watched this game once, believe it or not. But if memory is serving me correctly, that was after the Isaiah Oliver pick, no? 
um, with the field goal, or maybe that was the touchdown. In any case, still a tied game in the second half. Things seem to be a little bit lethargic. I, I mean, I remember watching that, like, we're really, this is what we're doing right now. We're trotting this, <laughs> this picker out here. I mean, and no problem. Like, no, no problem. He's kicking off. Ball's going out of the end zone. What were we talking about? Like, not right. allowing special teams to hurt ourselves. So, you know, if, if a kicker is going to give me the opportunity to talk about him, Steph, please be assured I'm going to take that opportunity because I'm eating my humble pie as well because I publicly was not <laughs> behind that pick. Well, I'll just leave it at that because I don't want to curse on your show. I'll save that for, for, for my shows. Um, so I would say Moody. Okay. I, I really tried to find somebody on the defensive side of the ball. I can't. Like, I just can't. Like, I, I know that things really? got but I know things got buttoned up on the second half, but this this was a poor performance. I, I expect more from the from the defense. Being just fully candid with you against the offense that they trotted out there, you know, like I just expected more, even against a division rival. So I'm gonna give it to I'm gonna I'm hopefully I'm gonna coin a nickname. Big game Jawan Jennings specifically plays two Super Bowls a year and it's against the Los Angeles Rams. Like, is this not his moment to shine when they're looking to take away Ayuk, Debo, now the wrinkle of McCaffrey, you know, first time in a year and a half they got to deal with, or, you know, over only the last year and a half they're dealing with that. But it's not the stats for Jawan. It's, it's the moments, right? Like big third down catches. We were all upset and bent out of shape about Brock missing throws. Well, Jesus, he put that one on the money to Juwan down the left sideline. No problem. Let his player yeah. go make a play. The physicality of Juwan. We talk about Debo as a tone setter with the ball in his hand. Juwan is a tone setter without the ball in his hand. Like, I know he got called for a penalty on that crackback. To me, that wasn't even really a crackback. He just kind of, like, stood there and walled that guy off. But the rule's the rule. But it's the little things that we don't see because he's out of the camera. Just the, the dogging him, the fighting him, getting those extra yards. Um, I just, you know, he just he's a big moment third down guy. And that's what the situation called for yesterday because it wasn't spectacular throughout. See, you're always thinking outside the box with these. <laughs> so I'm I'm glad that that you know i have you on the other end of this too. but we'd be three minutes long if i was like <laughs> yes i mean the obvious is yeah, yeah. definitely up there for sure but like there's a reason why 46 players dress you know what i mean and yeah. they all have to contribute and we always talk you know how many times does the one guy who muffs a punt get blamed for the loss right he it's his one play one involvement and all of a sudden he loses the game well like you know i like to talk about the little things that add up to 60 yeah. minutes of a, a football because game. They, because they do add up, right? And and they could make a difference. So I want to talk about Jake Moody really quick, one of your uh, entries here. Because <laughs> he, he was actually going to be one of mine. I was like, man, you, you mentioned him last week. Last week, maybe you were, you know, ahead of the game there uh, through two weeks of the season. He's been nails. I mean, no misses. Three on three, on three yesterday, four extra points. Altogether, he's six of six. Uh, three for three on field goals yesterday, all together, six of six. Um, and you mentioned the 57 yarder. That was the longest in franchise history since David Aker's 63 yarder in, I believe that was 2011. And I think another positive was that he took over the kickoffs in week two and he did fare a lot better w than Wishnowski, which is not a high bar, but. <laughs> And he can still improve. I mean, I think there were four touchbacks, but still a very solid day uh, for Moody. I, I do like this pick here because 
he's going to be one of those guys who maybe doesn't get talked about a lot when it comes to, you know, team win. But when you think about what he did, what he contributed to this win, I mean, it, it was a good number of points there. And for a game that was won by, you know, 10 points uh was it 10 points or did it end up being i, I forgot because mcveigh said seven, screw the batters yeah. i'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> yeah because they, they kicked that field goal late so that just screwed everything up but uh yeah so i i think those those kicks made a difference especially that 57 yarder man like i think we're gonna see kyle have a lot more confidence in uh, clearly he had a lot of confidence already putting them out there and i I remember seeing, I think it was like Matt Bear, a couple of the beat writers mentioning before the game, he was out there warming up on his kicks. He missed the ones from like 50 plus, I, I believe. And he made it in the game when it mattered. So, you know, good for him. And uh, yeah, that that's a good one. Juwan Jennings, I'm a little surprised by, uh, you know, that one. I don't know if I agree with you, but it, I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it at all. At all. You did mention, though, that on defense, you were having a hard time, you know, thinking of somebody. And, you know, maybe that's for the better because I I do have someone on defense that I want to, you know, give my flowers to. And I think he should be up for 49K Player of the Week. His name is Isaiah Oliver. And it's kind of relative to, one, how they played as a whole, the defense, but, two, how he has played uh, (laughs) up to this point, which has been bad right so i'm kind of looking at this as like most improved uh you know player if if you want to call it that but i mean going into this game the circumstances he didn't start i mean it was amber thomas on the outside and they had lenore you know uh playing the nickel that's how they started last week as well oliver had that opportunity last week where i think it was amber thomas got looked at for a concussion he was on the protocol for a bit. He got cleared. He came back. But in that moment that Oliver was there last week, he didn't play all that well. So he gets that same opportunity this week. They said that Amber Thomas was dealing with a knee injury. I don't even know if I believe that because now this is like it seems very coincidental, right? Like <laughs> stop playing well, but his knees hurting. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, it's like some something's something's a little off there. But you know, he gets that opportunity. He misses a tackle almost like, you know, right away. And people are like, oh, man, Oliver sucks, too, um, after Ambry Thomas was getting picked on quite a bit. Uh, but he he woke up along with the rest of the defense. He woke up. He had an interception. He had a couple of big tackles in the second half, including one that I believe was like, like third down or fourth down. Um, it was a the tackle for loss on, uh, I believe it was Kyron Williams, and that was huge in that moment in the game. So I got to give credit to Isaiah Oliver for stepping up and, you know, not getting bogged down by how he had played to this point and, and instead turn it around. I would even say, like, I think Isaiah Oliver maybe ha- did just enough because we know Amber Thomas hasn't done anything. Um, I think Oliver did just enough to maybe – take that nickel starting spot going into next week or Thursday, I should say. Yeah. And he should. And you bump Lenore outside. Um, Listen, I'm not, I'm not here to disagree. Uh, I think Oliver had a, a far better second half and I know he didn't play the entirety of the first half. Um, Let's call it what it is. The interception was fortuitous, right? Like, oops, like our player, you still, still has to make the play. That's why they do tip drills for a reason. One handed, but that was an all-but-caught ball where he's five yards off the guy. Um, 
but he, that the tackle stands out to me in the backfield, yeah. aggressive, and he is sticking his nose in there. And he's definitely at this point, in my opinion, better than 20. But like when I said that I couldn't find that defensive player, like I just felt like the first half was so out of whack. Like just, I mean, they had three possessions and they scored three times. So we didn't stop anybody in the first half. And they were, they were taking them to the house with the stuff that we run too. You know what I mean? That they see in practice drags across the middle of the field, running off your linebackers and misdirection. Like this is not the first time these guys have seen it. You know what it felt like to me, Seth? It felt like between Ward and whoever else was outside, even the linebackers were giving so much cushion in front of them to prevent the big play, which is perplexing to me because traditionally against this team, especially against Matthew Stafford, We've done we've done well at stopping the big play. That's when Stafford yeah. has tend to throw his interceptions down the field when he's you know a seven step drop gives more time for the 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 rush to get home a throw in the face errant throw down the field and let somebody go get it. But it's just like they just kept everything in front of them and they were just I mean we use that God you hear that term up and down the you know Twitter for us dink and dunk dink and dunk like that's all I was seeing was <laughs> seven eight yard drags. Now the adjustments were made, but I'm still, I'm still hesitant to say adjustments were made because honestly, I think the Rams also shot themselves in the foot a couple times in the second half more than we stopped them, right? In, in certain areas, like there were some stops. There was Fred Warner on that, right? Like that's a stop. You know what I mean? The Lenore pick, that's a stop. The Oliver pick, like yeah, you got to make the play, otherwise they live to see another down, but. That's a drop pass, right? And I know that's not a statistic. It shows up as an interception. That's a drop pass. Um, the 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 miss to the miscommunication between Tutu and Stafford, where they bombed it over, right, mm-hmm. and then leads into an intentional grounding penalty, like changes the tide. But like, but the that's pressure, the, the pressure caused that. Yeah, yes, you know? I can I can get down with that. I'm just saying, here's what you know. I know we're about to put people on notice, so I'll get to that point in a second. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm just saying yeah. that. You got some thoughts. If the offense is going to play that way, right, which is not as well, but not spectacular for us to be that championship caliber team. This has always been a defense first team. And like, I just, I don't know. Yeah. I just expected more against an inferior opponent. I mean, Tutu Atwell was all but forgotten. Puka Naku is a fifth round rookie. And I know he's, he's going to be special in this league for sure. They got a gem there, but come on, like who else were they trotting out there? You know what I mean? It just, it just felt. I don't know. It just felt funny, but you still walk away with a win. You still walk away with a win. It, it it felt it felt very weird. Yeah, for sure. It felt like the Rams knew how to beat whatever the 49ers were doing, especially early. And again, like I, I didn't like the defensive game plan coming out of the game. Uh, we got a comment here. Second half adjustments made all the difference. Brand new season. Allow Wilkes to figure out his toys. We're fine. Um, I mean, that is part of it, right? Like, I mean, we we think about D'Amico Ryan's and we hold every other like new defensive coordinator, I guess, like to the same high standard because of what D'Amico Ryan's did as soon as he became the defensive coordinator, right? He he did not miss a step from what Robert Sala was doing. But let's not forget he was in the building at the same time. So he already was familiar with all of the personnel, all the players that were on this team, uh, more or less what was being run and all things like that. So Steve Wilkes, I I do think he is, you know, still figuring all of this out, especially maybe these divisional opponents uh, who, you know, you do have to play twice a year. 
hopefully going into that next game, I believe that's uh, week 18. Uh, the mm-hmm. next time they play the Rams, you know, hopefully there's a, a much better game plan and both teams may look drastically different. Yeah, it's a long time to wait to for that second divisional game against them. But, you know, I, I think uh, we just got to give them some time maybe and I'll hold my judgments. But I think it was a good step in the right direction that he can at least make some adjustments that did work in the second half. Yes, 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 and yes, right? Like part of that is adjustment of scheme and what slowed down the offense. And I agree, things take time. The only thing that I will caution against is like, it. Wilkes is new in the building. And I know there's a few different things schematically, but the faces that have been here, the vocal leaders that have been here, they've been mm-hmm. here, right? So, yeah. and Wilkes is a veteran coach as well. So he understands like, I'm going to listen to my players. They're out there on the field. So his... His timetable is much smaller than a brand new defensive coordinator coming in who's reinventing a scheme and bringing in all new faces. But I agree with the comment and I agree with your sentiment. Like, yeah, of course we got to give it some time, you know, but like, I don't know, 49er ball under the Shanahan era is being defensive <laughs> ball, spoiled. you know? Yeah, it's, I'm, yeah, whatever. I'm I'm spoiled. I, 100%. Nothing, nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong. I mean, we have high standards, yeah. uh, you know, at all facets, you know, from what we've seen these last few years, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Uh, but I do think like sometimes we, we tend to get impatient, you know, when things aren't perfect right away, right off the bat of the season. Um, and so we, we got to give it some time, but Weston, who's your, do you have another player to elect? Um, I don't. I those. Okay. I mean, I had four. Obviously, the the first yeah. two that we talked about. Um, those two. Stole your thunder there. Yeah, no, I didn't steal any thunder. <laughs> it's your show, right? But, <laughs> um, but I mean, you might be happy to know. I I actually couldn't think of, despite how bad they. Okay, they didn't play that bad, but despite not the best performance, I actually didn't have one player that. I'm putting on notice this week. So I'll let you have that one. Cause it sounded like you had some thoughts on that, but I have yeah. one more, I have one more player to elect. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Colt McKivitz, Colt McKivitz, another, I think redemption arc here in week two after the tough week one going up against TJ Watt. That was a bit of a struggle for him and the right side of the line altogether. Uh, you know, three sacks for Watt going into this game. You're, probably going to see it or he definitely saw a lot of Aaron Donald and I know they were doubling him much of the game so that clearly worked and Colton McKivitz at the end of it just one quarterback hit one pressure allowed I would call that a big win for not just the 49ers but well okay for not just Colton McKivitz but the 49ers because I mean if you're able to solidify that right side of the line it's it's I think it's going to make them feel more comfortable going forward. And certainly it was, it wasn't something that Brock Purdy had to worry about in this game. So it's funny. Yes, yes, yes. And yes, the whole right side of the line, right. Uh, Leaps and bounds better than it was against Pittsburgh. And and again, no slouch that they were getting lined up from across from this week. I think outside of a, I think they gave him credit for a deflected pass, but other than that, was it a deflected pass for Donald? Yeah. Or no, one QB hit. Other than that, he didn't even show up in the stat box. So whether it's Daniel Brunskill or anybody else, I think maybe it's just the 49ers and what they are able to do and how they scheme. But what's so perplexing to me is you mentioned McKivitz. I agree. I'll throw out Spencer Burford there as well, right? Like you weren't hearing their name called, which is always good when you're an offensive lineman that we're not 
talking about you. But I think I saw somewhere, and keep me honest, Steph, that PFF graded Burford like a zero per zero point zero in pass pro. Yeah, they they graded him horribly. Which yeah. and I know if you don't like, give up a sack. How is that even yeah. possible? <laughs> I, so I know, like Brad Graham, uh, you know, friend of the pod, he was watching the all twenty-two, and he was like, "I don't, I don't know, I don't understand the scoring." Like I'm watching the game, or I'm watching the all twenty-two, and he hasn't given up anything. In fact, like he's making yeah. these plus plays. So I don't know. I I still need to watch the all twenty-two myself to to really say for sure. But yeah, PFF very well could just be looking at i don't know what they're looking at quite honestly i mean don't you get 200 points for the sat just for putting your name down <laughs> right so if you got a clean slate that's got to be worth like a 40 out of 100 rating you know yeah um yeah i don't i don't know i don't understand so yeah but uh yeah credit to burford it seemed like it was a better game uh from him uh past the eye test at least so yeah, credit to those guys. I think just with each game, they're going to continue to improve. So uh, good for them. Look, I, I think we have all of our candidates, right? And yep. I'll put them up here shortly, and I'll let you guys get to voting. Um, but I'll mention them really quickly. We have Debo. We have Christian McCaffrey. We have Jake Moody, Colton McKivitz, Juwan Jennings, and Isaiah Oliver. So get your votes in in the comments. We want to hear from you. In the meantime, while the voting is happening, uh, Weston's going to tell us who he's putting on notice going into week three. I'm putting the whole defensive line, the starting four on notice, and I'm putting and starting with this man right behind me on this side. I'm going to call him Huggy Bear right now. Um, not not little bear or smaller bear, whatever they, they go with. But and, and this is like half facetious, like half the truth, right? Like I understand not a full preseason, et cetera, but we're now two weeks in. I know he's had some pressures, you know, but we do pay this man now a lot of money to sack the quarterback. And I know the 120 million guaranteed man is going to command a lot of attention, and etc. So it's it's not going to be not that it ever was easy, but it's not going to be any easier to get to the quarterback. But for me, the grace period's up. I don't need you to be in the sack column. I really don't. Right? Like that's that's a stat. I need you, but I need you to influence more pass rush, not just in a little bit of garbage time at the the end of the game. I need a little bit more from ninety seven. This is two games now where you played the majority of the game. You should have your legs back under you a little bit. I want to see a lot on like Thursday night needs to be a big game from him because guess what? Income to town is a mobile quarterback. Steph, how do we fare against mobile quarterbacks? Not really that well. Um, so we're going to need a little bit more from him on the edge, but it's across the whole team. I mean, Jesus, I thought Javon Hargrave, when he made that one play where I thought he almost got Stafford before he handed the ball. I need a little bit more of that from this vaunted front that is supposed to be the best in the league, even against Pittsburgh. Like, yeah, you know, like it was, but what, but it was Weston, all right. If I, could, if, if I can just like interject and just question. I'm a tough critic, Steph. I'm tough. Okay. But what, <laughs> so what did you, what did you expect exactly with Nick Bosa, you know, not playing, uh, you know, not being with the team, practicing, all of preseason, pretty much like what you expected him to just go out there and, and be, uh, you know, raining sacks. I mean, 
as a fan, yeah, <laughs> like it's Bosa. But as so, uh, okay, a little bit more than that, somebody who watches this and um, you know considers themselves relatively knowledgeable about the game, he gets the pass. He gets a pass. What I'm saying is, from this point forward, it's less of a pass, right? Like you now have what equates to the amount more than the amount of reps you would have taken in the preseason anyway, right? Like in these, over these last two games in real games where it matters games that had some, you know, seen tight at some points, right? Like where there's opportunity to make impact. Um, listen, th- unfortunately this is you, pl- they play the sport. You want to walk away with $120 million guaranteed money. Like there's expectations that come with yeah. that. Yeah. That's, no, that's it. fair. If you were sitting on your fifth year of your rookie contract and you walked out of the season with 10, 12, 13 sacks, nobody would bat an eye. But if you're not scratching, because that's the stat you're measured by, not PFF grades that said you were a 93. I don't know what I don't again. I don't know what PFF's doing. Say he was the highest graded defensive player in week two in the NFL, by the way, um, so far. I just like there's expectations and I'm just the one delivering the news. That's it. But don't hate me, Nick. I'm just the one delivering it. <laughs> Look, I do agree that he does need to uh, improve, but I'm also being patient with him because it does, you know, take some time to get it back into football shape. In fact, like I almost want to say him along with the rest of the defense, it felt like every snap they were gaining more energy and, and looking better as the game progressed. So I think like he can maybe take that into Thursday night's game. Uh, and he actually finished this game with five pressures and and three quarterback hits. So, again, that was despite being double teamed on you know nearly forty percent of of his pass rush attempts. So I'm I was uh I came away I guess feeling better after seeing that. You know I wasn't paying attention to Nick Bosa like that to watch him you know every single snap of his but you don't hear his name called you get a little worried so that I understand um and for someone who just got that big extension yeah you you do want to see that out of him it's just listen we saw with Debo Debo gets paid all of a sudden he has a year that by all accounts is a really good year but we all say and he'll even admit to it not my expectations and on in this game in professional sports with those big contracts come and I'll be the first to say it unfair and unrealistic expectations, but that's what you get paid for. It's in a sport where you get paid for past performance essentially, but mm-hmm. they expect that performance to continue. Yeah, absolutely. Especially for the deal that he just got. I mean, boy, yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, they, de- they definitely need that production to continue, but I, but I think it will. I'm, I'm pretty hopeful. I'm not, I'm not concerned. It's just my opportunity. The only time this year where I'm going to ever be able to put I know, right? Bosa like, on notice. <laughs> only time, only yeah. time. Oh, okay. That's fair. Um, okay. We got a couple of votes in the comments. If you haven't voted yet, let us know who you think out of this list of guys, uh, who should be 49 K player of the week. Um, Weston, if you have one vote, who are you giving it to? Debo. Debo. We got to vote for Debo. Okay. Um, I I think I'm going to go CMC on this one. You're not so wrong. So we got we to, gotta lo- we got some tiebreakers we got to sort through right now. So you guys in the comments who have not voted yet, let us know. Um, please vote. Yeah, please vote. Uh, but. 
I know some of you watching Monday Night Football. Let us know how that game's going, too. I'm a little curious uh, as we are. I think one of them has started already, right? So, Steph, I have an idea for your next Bosa impression. (laughs) What? You should mock him on hearing that somebody's putting him on notice <laughs> now he would respond to being put on notice for performance <laughs> he'd laugh well, me it. right out of the building <laughs> that yeah that that's a good one i i should uh i should do that yeah i mean I, honestly i'm running out of ideas with the with the bose impressions but people people ask for them so i'm like so okay good. send me ideas send me ideas and i actually do end up getting some great ideas so, so um <laughs> They're so good. Like they're, they're phenomenal. Like I, I enjoy them very much. So keep feeding Steph ideas and hopefully more come organically because very enjoyable. All right, people get your last votes in. Um, in the meantime, let's talk about this uh, Thursday game. What, what are you sort of expecting? I know you already talked about Daniel Jones. He's uh he's more mobile than, you know, Matthew Stafford is. We saw Stafford, uh, you know, juke out uh, Charvarius Ward a bit there and you'd you'd hate to see that on Thursday. So I know he isn't the greatest quarterback. (laughs) We know that, but you know, he could get some yards on the ground. They aren't going to have Saquon Barkley. So I'm sure he's going to try to, you know, run it himself quite a bit in this one. But other than that, I mean, is there anything about this matchup that really worries you at all? No, but I would say that coming into this, this week as well, like I wasn't worried about a Puka Nakua or, Tutu Atwell, and sometimes when the superstars are out, it's all about concepts and will and running the routes, but I agree. I don't think Danny Dimes is that efficient of his quarterback. They're coming off a really emotional high after a really prominent emotional low in week one on a short week. I know they're already across the country um, without Saquon. 49ers just need to handle their business. This is the winnable game against a former you know, last year where they were in the playoffs, but this could just as easily be a trap, right? As it is anything else. I think if you come in, you set the tone early, you run the football, you're physical with them. Um, by all accounts, this game should be over before halftime. That's my expectations, just given slate, but just got to impose their will. But there's nothing. Dable is the X factor, right? The guy is a hell of a head coach. He's a hell of a play caller. Um we don't want to get caught with him in his bag, but on paper, this should be a, an easy win. It should be. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think the only thing that concerns me would be uh, the uh, defensive line of the Giants. They're pretty uh, aggressive. So I, I would think that that could give the 49ers offensive line some trouble, but at the same time, based on what we've seen through two weeks, I think they'll be okay. Um, again, like I think the right side of the offensive line will continue to improve. So I would think that would carry on into this game. The only thing that I, I think has a potential of making this a, a trap game, although like I, I don't think the 49ers will fall into it, hopefully not, is the fact that they're on a short week, right? So um, anything can really happen on a short week when guys are tired and – you know, you, you got to play a game, right? That's why we see so many of these Thursday night games look, you know, crappy because, you know, guys are tired and it, it shows. So hopefully the 49ers don't fall into that trap. 
Yep, and and at least ours is early this year, not in the the heart of the season or at the tail end of the season. At least for now, I know they can flex into Thursday. Um, so feel fortunate of that. And then they get nine days off right before for week four. So go go in and handle the business and. I think they'll they'll be just all right. And you mentioned their defensive line, but I think the 49ers are built to counter that, not just by their offensive line, but how do you stop defensive pressure? You run the football, you throw screens, right? What do we do yeah. pretty well as an offense? Both of those things. So Yeah, and, and they did it, you know, quite a bit in, in the last game against the Rams, too. So uh, okay. I would expect that to continue in this case. Am I saying we have a tie? We do have a tie of we have a voting tie between Isaiah Oliver and Jake Moody. You like I it's this weird, like awkward of like people voting, but like not enough people to like yeah. <laughs> for like one player to <laughs> to really rise above. So we get a lot of ties uh two weeks in a row now. So we got Oliver and Jake Moody. If one of you guys feel strongly about either one of these guys, how about you know, me and you, Weston, between those two guys, who would we give a second vote to? We're not going to break the tie here because <laughs> I'm going to say, not... oh. say Moody. I'm going to no. say Moody. <laughs> and you know I, I'm not. I know. That's what I'm saying. You know what? No, no. I, I think what's fair is fair. Um, <laughs> Should they be co-49 player of the week? Th- that, I mean, it's your award. Do you want that to happen? <laughs> I, I think Oliver is deserving, he right? Said, like, you got to make the plays. players on the way. <laughs> All right. You, I mean, you gotta, you gotta make the we, plays that are in front of you, and he made thing, the plays that were in front of him. The thing is, we we might be here all all night if if yep. we we leave it up to this back and forth here. So you know, let, let's just say, I and I I know you had already voted uh, RTP. So uh, I think I got I had you down for, yeah, you had voted Oliver, and and now he's saying Moody. So. <laughs> We're so influential. You're, you're, you're not. You're not helping. You're not helping with the tiebreaker <laughs> here. Um, let, let's go ahead and and, and give a co uh, 49k uh, this week. All right. Yeah, the first we get for more, everything. Hopefully, we get more votes next week, or we just get someone who like has such a dominant performance that you know you, you just everyone has to vote for that guy. I just can't believe it wasn't like the, um, the votes weren't for Debo or McCaffrey. I'm like floored by that, to be honest with you. Did we not make good enough cases for those players? Like I thought we did. Expectations. It's around expectations. They all expect more. They all expect 200 yards from each of them. That is actually so true. Like Oliver redemption game for him and, you know, Moody redemption from, Oh, we got, we got a guy who did not vote before RJ. He says Moody. So we got our 49 K 49 K player of the week is Moody. And then that puts Oliver as, as our 25 uh, K. Thank and you, our, RJ. You are yeah. appreciated. <laughs> and then our 15 K we, we do have a tie between Debo and uh, CMC, but I'm okay. Leaving it at that. Yeah. So let's just, let's just call it. Uh, but guys, uh, <laughs> thank you so much for always making this a fun episode. We'll be doing it again next Monday. We'll be talking about that Thursday night football game and electing our 49 K players of the week for that one. So I appreciate you guys. Make sure that you guys subscribe to both of our channels, Weston's channel. His link is, um, His URL is linked in my description, so make sure you guys check that out and like this video if you have not yet. Audio listeners, make sure you leave a rating if you have not yet. But for now, have a great rest of your Monday, folks. Enjoy those Monday night football games. Peace.